And I think what happens, and this is this is a major part of my hiring philosophy here, is um, when it takes so much time, you get the delete. A2 Hosting offers solutions for WordPress and WooCommerce that are both blazing fast and ultra-reliable. WordPress can be used on any web hosting plan from A2. You can deploy WordPress easily on shared, VPS, or dedicated hosting plans. A2 also offers managed WordPress and WooCommerce hosting. Take a look at a2hosting.com today. Hey everybody, welcome back to Post Status Draft. I've got a special interview today because uh, I've got a friend uh, on in Oklahoma City that Lindsay and I have got the chance to work with very recently. Lindsay's known her a long, long time, so I'm a new friend, um, but I wanted to ask her because we've been talking about some really critical topics together. Her and Lindsay have been, she's been instrumental in really helping Lindsay build her business at Content Journey, and I got a little taste of it, and I was like, Lindsay, I got to have you on. Um, I know you do a lot of things, Lindsay, and I'm going to let you introduce yourself from HR strategy uh, a lot of business stuff and helping a lot of people now in your role as uh, as rolling your own shingle out into the world. And I've seen it really blossom uh, in recent recent history here. And so could you tell us a little bit more about you, uh, what you do today? And then I'm going to start poking in and saying, okay, tell me a little bit about your past and things like that. For sure. First of all, thank you so much for having me. And Truly, I would not be sitting in this seat in the small business incubator without Lindsay. And uh, we were sorority sisters um, a very long time ago. I will not say how long ago. And I'm just so grateful. And I've loved um, having a front row seat to watching what what you and Lindsay have built and what you're doing. So um, thank you for having me here today. Um, So I founded Rivers and Roads Organizational Development. I actually filed for the LLC a year ago this week. Um, So it has been a fantastic journey. And so I do organizational development. I call it the intersection of people and operations. Uh, My background is, um, excuse me, I have a master's in industrial organizational psychology. And what that led to was a 15 year career in human resources, in organizational development and um, change management. Uh, I I had about eight years at OU. That was kind of my jungle gym of a career. I had uh, six different roles, I think in that eight years. And um, then I left in 2017 to go to an infusion pharmacy that was locally owned and operated. Had a great time there with the owners, um, really had a, a, a true seat at the table in human resources and organizational development. And in 2019, they named me the chief operating officer. And so I got the operations experience. So it's kind of a weird background. I always tell people I just have this uh, weird background that I've been so fortunate to have. And um, then about a year after, um, I was moved to COO in December of 2020. We were acquired by a large national organization. And um, I stayed on for 18 months for that transition. And when that time was up, um, I wanted to pursue my long-term dream of owning my own company. And, um, you know, it was something that I'd always wanted to do, but it just always seemed really terrifying. And it is terrifying, but um, it's been great. And so a lot of, there's a lot of life that happened in between those talking points that led me to hang this shingle, but um, it's been a great ride so far. So there you have it. Oh, wow. There's so much. We shouldn't have booked, we should have booked more time for this, but we'll, we'll, right. we'll come back again because there's so much here I want to dive into. Um, 
One, congratulations. Love to celebrate entrepreneurs like yourself doing good work in the world and doing well. Um, so congrats. I think it's timely that we would have this interview and I'm glad to be a part of it. So that's incredible. I I think when you're saying like it, all of this stuff and got to this, it's like it to me, my path has always seemed meandering sometimes. But when I look back, I go, wow, that was a great yeah. ride. But I can see why all your background and everything led you to do those things. Because I think so often in business, it's about two things, or at least the problems. It's money and it's people. And right. so like your intersection, what you said is people and operations. It's how, to me, it's how the work really gets done. How do we lead all that? And that's such deep work because to date, AI hasn't re replaced us all. It's right. still about people, our teams, customers, that human interaction part. And I think that's invaluable and why I we have been very thankful. I know Lindsay has to have of your caliber access to as she grows her agency. Um, so, wow. Okay. There's so much here. So much. <laughs> I yeah, think if it, I had... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I think if I'd known what industrial psychology was maybe 20 years ago, I would have 30 years ago for me, I would have been like, how do I get a, I can do that as a job. That's, that's yeah. super cool. Psychology yeah. applied in, in the workplace. Um, I know Adam Grant, very famous mm -hmm. organi organizational psychologist. I read a ton of his stuff and I love his work. Um, I love his stuff. So that that's super cool. Yeah, and I was so fortunate again. I mean, and again, not to use the intersection terminology again, but um, I feel like luck is the intersection of opportunity and hard work. Mm -hmm. And the opportunity for me was a professor at OU who said, hey, I really see this in you and I think you could be great at this, um, which led me to apply for graduate schools, which um, I ended up at Middle Tennessee State University, which a couple of years after I graduated was named the top master's program in my field. Um, so I had an incredible experience there, great professors, great connections there. Um, I don't do anything small. So I did multiple <laughs> um, student associations and internships and um, practicums. And um, then I graduated right at the um, recession. So um, my husband and I were sort of in this race of like, who can get a job first? Because everything looks like it's falling apart. Mm -hmm. And we were so fortunate to find a job back home. Uh, we both started at OU. Um, that was where we met at OU and in, in, at Norman. And so um, it was just, it was, it just felt like it was, you know, again, that intersection of, of opportunity and hard work. So I was fortunate to, I won't say stumble into this field because I did it consciously. Um, but I just, I do feel like, like you said, all of those experiences have led me to exactly where I am today. Well, it's not the topic I really want to talk about because as we've talked in preparation for this uh, we have to talk about leadership and burnout and current climates and all that we need i want to talk about that but at first i know how Lindsay um was able to utilize having you two doors down this right. vast resource of experience and expertise with dealing with people and all that um has had that great opportunity to work with you and how i intersected with that was when she was hiring her next person and that specific HR, so in within this big nebulous of HR, you were so instrumental. And I just want to take talk for a second about your approach because I really appreciated it. It was a very, it wasn't overly structured, but it was structured really well and more so thoughtful. She was trying to hire for somebody you worked through. I think the, 
I'll let you talk about it, but I, yeah. and, and I'll kind of come in and say some things I saw too, but can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, for sure. And again, I mean, being two doors down from Lindsay, like likewise, I feel the same of just the the expertise and the knowledge. And I knew she was looking for her next hire. And so we really, I love a, I love a blank whiteboard. And so we started whiteboarding, just what are you looking for? The competencies, the behaviors, uh, where might this person have come from? What kind of experiences are you looking for them to have had? And then we had this huge full whiteboard. It was like, all right, what are the deal breakers? And I think when it comes to hiring, you have to think about deal breakers, just like we do in relationships. Like what are deal breakers for a significant other? And I'm, you know, hashtag careful. Like don't, maybe don't make a significant other out of your next hire. Um, but I just mean like there are some, there are some commonalities where we have to live with this. And so what are the deal breakers? If this person, you know, did or didn't have these things, what would that be like? So that gives me sort of a profile of what we're looking for outside of just your typical um, education experience, background, those kind of things. Um, so competencies, behaviors, um, and so then where we went from there is I just, so I've hired for 15 years across all kinds of different positions, healthcare, higher ed, um, you name it, I've, I've, I've hired it, I feel like. And so um, I had to get really um, efficient in my hiring. And so I always tell people like your, your job description, number one is your first line of defense on everything of making the right hire of workers comp, leave, um, disciplinary actions, performance management, anything. And so job descriptions feel really boring and nobody likes to do them, including me. It's my least favorite thing to do. Maybe not my least, but I don't, I don't enjoy it. Um, but it's so important to get the job description right. So then once you have the job description and you know what you're looking for, then you start calling through your applicants and, and looking through, you know, however you, and so we posted it on LinkedIn and I know I'm kind of like dancing around here. Um, I don't always think very uh, linearly. <laughs> and, but so we, we put it on LinkedIn saw who was coming through, you know, um, and then once we had applications, then your next line of defense is your phone screen. And I have a couple of tricks up my sleeve with phone screens. Number one, I think you have the applicant call you. I um, love that, by the way. That was so brilliant. It's such a small thing. Um, but here's the thing that was so funny to me, like this was sort of a learning lab for me was for this um, sort of marketing role. They were Johnny on the spot. They were calling me early, like sometimes I wasn't fully ready. Um, full disclosure, because like, I mean, I'm, I'm a just in time delivery kind of gal. Like I am, if it's at noon, I'm ready at noon, sometimes noon oh two. Um, but so, um, like when I used to hire nurses, they would never call me on time. And like, I'm not making a sweeping generalization about nurses, but like what I learned was they didn't live and die by their calendar, mm -hmm. like an mm -hmm. office professional does. So like that may not have worked for that role. So like your mileage may vary with your role, but for this like organized office, like sort of computer facing person, like to say, this is your time to call me. And so then we did a phone screen where we had questions that were those deal breakers, right? So tell me about a time when, like, give me a specific example. Like, don't tell me what you would do. Tell me what you have done because your past performance is your best predictor of future success, right? So like, tell me about a time when. So running through some of those scenarios and you're just getting a feel for the person. You're just, how do they talk? How do they arrange their thoughts? How do they, um, you know, what, what excites them and what doesn't. And so um, I use this word cautiously, but um, cause you can't hire on vibes, but you just sort of get a feel. And I'm so fortunate that I've spent enough time with, with Lindsay's team that I knew like there was just one person that I was like, you know, there was just this vibe of like, it just wasn't going to be a fit. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so phone screens, take notes, share this with the team. 
And then from there, the the um, team took it on to um, Zoom interviews. Oh, can, I, can I pause you right yeah. there? Because I don't want to gloss over it. You weren't, but I don't want I don't want to gloss over this. So we if we scroll back, we went from job interview, major things, getting some job descriptions so people can be interested in. It. And part of that's marketing. You you do yeah. want someone to go, this is me. I'm interested in this. Do that. What's really interesting about the process and what you said is so putting that job description out there. I, I've heard accounts from this from our members and other other entrepreneurs is you're getting the deluge of potential applicants. Like some of these sites have auto post, auto apply things. What's interesting to me too is you took the deluge and you're starting to sort with that first interview. And I don't want to scroll past that too fast because I think it was brilliant. One, back to being thoughtful, you had an intention. Let me have them call me. That's yeah. that's so, and knowing more about that particular job too, I go, wow. I remember hearing that going, that's brilliant. Now, the second one was, I was like, I, I had this first glance of like, I know how experienced of an executive you are. And I go, we're putting like high power here into that very first. And it was so interesting because, but who better? Someone that has season that kind of can pick up so on some things. Um, and that part too is like, you were a such an incredible sorting mechanism too. It's just like these interviews, this whole process is so time consuming up until like a shotgun wedding. Okay. Are we going to do it? You know, and then you're like, let's just, yeah. And and then, and, and I think what happens, and this is, this is a major part of my hiring philosophy here is um, when it takes so much time, you get the deluge, you get the, you know, how do I weed out? How do I find? And I think one thing that happens really easily is you start to do this. Like, I like the person. And I used to have a boss who was like, do not tell me if you like them. I do not care if you like them. I want to know if they're a good fit. And if you're not careful, you fall into the trap of, oh, I like this person, which then I think leads into things like hiring people who are exactly like you and you lack diversity. Um, I think you sort of start to overlook some things that could be red flags and problematic because you're like, oh, well, they're just a really likable person. And then also like, I think we miss out on a whole group of people who might be a more introverted uh, preference who maybe don't let all of that show immediately. And so it's, it's sort of digging, but then um, I think the next thing that happens for me, and 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 it does happen as early on as those um, phone screens, is um, I tell my clients all the time, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. <laughs> and if you hire if you hire a hell maybe, you will be calling me again in six months. So like you have to get those deal breakers. And so something that was always really common for us when we were hiring nurses is um, we spent a lot of time. Our nurses spent a lot of time in their cars because we covered the state. And so we would ask them, you know, how do you feel about windshield time? Like, would you be okay with, you know, spending so much time in the car? And there would inevitably be somebody who would say, oh, you know, I've never really done that. I've done bedside. I, I don't love driving. I'm not familiar with the city. I don't, you know. And then I would have the nurse manager later be like, but, you know, maybe she'll like it. And it's like, she has given you every, he or she has given you every indication that this is not what they want to do. Or they've told you, you know, even even down to the level of, I did that. I did that in home health and I hated it. And because of the nature of nursing, especially nursing in the time of COVID, we'd be like, well, let's just, let's just see if they've changed. They have not changed their mind. That's a hell no for me. And that's a hell no for them. 
And if you accept that early and often, then you're not going to have to do it like you do it right or do it twice, right? And so knowing what your deal breakers are, knowing, and so another perfect example right now is, you know, if you know that your job is on site, if you know that your job, like for whatever reason, you know, I have a lot of clients that it's, you know, facing, it's maybe in it's a warehouse, it's something that is physically have to be on site. If you ask them what their ideal work environment is and they say remote or hybrid, if you cannot give them that, need not apply, need not apply. So anyway, that's my soapbox about how yes or hell no. And from the organizational side, I like that you had talked to Lindsay, in this case, the hiring person, and understood those key things. And then starting to, with seasoned veteran executive, be able to do that. What did shock me is I am aware of one of the ones that was like not a good vibe. And I thought, when does someone not realize that, one, it's just good human to be nice and cordial to everyone? But oftentimes, you know, I'd walk into an office, first person there is the receptionist. Mm -hmm. And I go, it does me no harm to be nice and human Mm -hmm. to someone. And I remember one of those studies was like, they don't, do they not understand or even in the world of possibility that someone on the other side could be extremely knowledgeable, extremely experienced, have their bullshit meter on and go, you're going to treat that person? poorly well Well, uh, you just sorted mechanism you did you just you just did it for me and like I've I've been and I I won't say if this was during this process or not but like I asked a question and somebody was like well if you look at my resume what you'll see is and it was just so (laughs) like almost accusing me of not having looked at your resume and it's like I have looked at your but I am asking you specifically yeah about this experience and it just and then and so I give people the benefit of the doubt, but then if another time they give that kind of like feedback, it's like, if this is how, if this is how you are acting on your best behavior, right? if that is how you are going to talk to another human on your best behavior, I think, I think again, they, they made some comment. I can't remember what it was. I clearly I blocked this person out, but something along the lines of like, well, yeah, what I said is, I mean, just something kind of snippy that you're just like, no, like you are going to be client facing you are going to be working on a team. And so again, it's like, it's like those spidey senses, right? I'm like, this is how you are at your best behavior. How are you going to be in a difficult client interaction? How are you going to be when we're having a tough conversation? You know? So anyway, that's for sure. Like there's just all of those pieces go together and it's all data. It's all data to give you to make the right decision. Well, for a lot of our members, they don't have hiring departments. They don't have recruiters. They're trying to do everything themselves, but you do want someone with your kind of expertise to probably do some of the initial stuff. I see so much immense value there because then I knew there was a, at least a spreadsheet of, okay, here's the ones I'm going to present. They're going to go past the second leg. And I think that's where I cut you off, but like, it was so incredible to have that just here ready to get some semblance, I could look at their website, I could do those things, because I was part of that second or third team, I think, that kind of contributed. Okay, so I cut you off there, so please continue on, so second phase. Yeah, I mean, honestly, after that, you all kind of took the reins, you did the Zoom interviews, um, it actually worked out perfectly, I was, I think I was going to a conference where I was presenting, and um, so you all rolled into the Zoom interviews um, with sort of, hey, here's who I'm recommending, choose your own adventure. Like who from here do you want to interview? 
And then when I came back from that conference, you all had narrowed it down. And then um, Lindsay and I participated in some Zoom interviews um, just as that final sort of confirmation step. But, um, and I like, if I can just be totally honest, there was part of the time where I was like, is this, am I getting, am I getting the candidates that they want? Are we narrowing it down appropriately? Um, we did kind of have a broad brush of what we were looking for. Um, it could have been pretty early career. It could have been somebody more established. It could have been somebody that, that we, you know, sort of taught some of the things we knew. Um, but um, it, it ended up working out great. I think you all made a great hire. And then on the back end, what I've been doing is um, 30, 60, 90 days checking in with the new hire because I think, and, and I, I can speak from experience. I used to joke in the pharmacy that I could tell when somebody hit 90 days. I would run into them in the hallway or the restroom, or I would walk into the pharmacy and they would just have this like deer in headlights look because it was like, you'd been there long enough that everybody stopped treating you like the new kid and like helping you and checking in on you. But you hadn't been there long enough to really know what you were doing. Mm-hmm. It's a big organization with lots to learn. Like I always said, if we were a country, you could be there six months and only know how to order off the menu and ask where the restroom was. Like it took a solid year of of learning to feel totally comfortable there. And so like, I could almost set my watch by it that like, oh, I got to go check on that person because they're going to be, that's the day that they're going to feel like they're drowning. And so those check-ins to be like, how do we compare? How do you feel? Do you have what you need? Um, and and uh, the beauty of me being a neutral third party is you can really yep. tell me what's working and what's not without offending anybody. And uh, I become sort of the filter. That's the other thing I was just thinking of is third party with a more objective view on things. And I didn't know about the check-ins, by the way. So I think that's brilliant because that's the thoughtful, intentional way. Because, Lindy, when we boil this down to you go hiring somebody, we're not talking about Fortune 500 countries countries here where you can like hire somebody to kind of get a wash in a big thing and some of the inefficiencies or downsides it's kind of part of the cycle we're talking about small to medium-sized businesses here at least in post-status and so those are expensive but they're it's a bigger thing i go for a startup entrepreneur hiring the first person it could be make or break because you're talking about taking cash flow setting aside for a salary that you're you know, saying I'm committing to do this. And then even for some of our organizations process, um, some of the bigger agencies are in the maybe 50 to a hundred. Those are still expensive because they've got to have that person operationally doing something that they need probably right now um, because of some of the hiring things within our industry and then globally. So they're risky, extremely risky propositions hiring anybody. So why wouldn't you have neutral third party with an outside perspective, with depth of experience in all this, helping do some of the front back end side of works. And I love the side that when our second, and then I think the third, it went to Lindsay. I was a part of the second round is I was trying to form, had opinions, had thoughts, had perspectives. And then when it get to Lindsay and then back that we could go, Here's what we're thinking, Lindy, and get your perspective on everything yeah. again. Because yeah. we're we're kind of what I I'm less so, but we're wired in to all oh, these needs, these problems that are happening, and just having somebody to kind of am I on the same? Am I feeling this yeah. too? And, yeah, and that's you know that's probably one of the things that I love most about my role as a consultant is I get to be someone you can bounce ideas off of. I get to, and again with my time with Lindsay and the team, I've gotten to learn enough about the organization and. 
Um, I've been fortunate that some of my clients I've had some background information on to where I can I can jump in fairly quickly. Um, like some of my strategy clients, you know, I've spent some time um, building their strategy and spending time knowing what their their long term goals are. And so then when they call me in to do this hiring help, um, I'm not starting at you know square one. I'm at like maybe square five where I can say, okay, well here's what I know. Here's what you know. Here's some questions that I have. Um, to, to be better prepared, but I'm still not in the day-to-day to where it's not quite as personal. Um, exactly. Whereas the people I think who are in the day-to-day, the, the risk is, man, you are drowning. You are ready to get that person hired. And so sometimes I'm not going to say desperate, but you get, you sort of let your standards fall a little bit because you're like, we just got to get somebody in here to do the work. Exactly. Where I can come in and say, hey, but we know from this experience that you, you've got to get this one right. And these fractures here in this process leads to cracks and fissures that are big and just pile on downstream. And yeah, nothing, nothing impacts your business more than a bad hire. I, I firmly believe that. And I think, yep. yeah, go ahead. We, we didn't, we didn't have you 10 years ago when I was doing our themes, we were trying to do something. We had an HR consultant and when we finally had someone that could kind of help us with the things like, I think I'm right here. What do you think? Cause there is regulation laws, potential things that come on besides the business case of just, is this person going to help us, you know, mm-hmm. do these things. So um, we'll put your website for sure in the show notes and go to talk to Lindy. I, Un, uncoached by Linda or otherwise, I would say you need someone that knows this process. If you're hiring, you can't, you gotta make, you don't want to rush. Matt, my COO at iThemes and I, we had this thing. I fall in love with everybody. He hates everybody. In between, we made some fairly good decisions because yeah, we kind of had to, you know, um, yeah. but I would, I totally advocate for having someone that's objective, third party, with the experience to do that, by the way, my uh, recommendations is you need to call Lindy today on those type of things. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. So that was a snippet. I wanted to share enough of that. We could spend probably yeah. hours talking yeah. about that side, but I think that leads into this this other one. So hiring people, getting the right people, invaluable. You, it's sure. it, not even in the value category. It's like from the protection and safety of it, like your life can crumble with a bad hire. Your business mm-hmm. can crumble with the right or hire that that is not the right fit that you're not watching about these things. And hiring is so expensive on the bottom line mm-hmm. from lost productivity for you and your team, culturally, all that. And it's now, stressful when you're an entrepreneur, you are bringing somebody into your baby. Yeah. Right. You know, you are, you are, it's, it's like you're welcoming somebody into this and, and I don't like to use employers as family, but this is your, this is your home. Right. And so, yeah, it's, it's stressful. There was a season of time, like we all go through where did not have the right fit people in place and my life was miserable. And from that alone, I'd say, take, take, you don't have to go like slow, 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 but be thoughtful and intentional about this process because it does have such a critical effect on everything. Um, and in the WordPress space with what we're dealing with there too, Lindy, I know, you know, some of this, but, you know, remote work used to be the big benefit. A lot of our members could share because most of our, um, members are remote only. And then through pandemic remote became kind of more of a thing. And I've heard that sentiment from a lot of our agency owners in particular as they hire. So good people, it's a rare, you know, 
got to get some magic. Like this whole hiring thing is like, there's science for sure. There's structure, there's things we should be doing and, and need for to be sure. doing. There's a lot of this of like, okay, how it's, do I really, I've, we've in total spent two and a half hours with this person and we're going to marry them in the sense I, of, yeah. you know, we don't, yeah. we don't know. And, but your check-in process too, I think is so critical uh, down the process. Okay. With that being said, money and people, big problems in business, right? Always constant yeah. forever. Always. We've talked about the front door, getting the right people in the right seats, all that. I want to talk about this thing. I know I've heard from uh, uh, someone we know that you're, you're, you've been sharing publicly from keynote speech, speaks, uh, keynotes that you do um, this. And I was really intrigued by it, like cheerleading from the quicksand. And I thought we've talked about part of the leader's job, hiring the right, getting the right people in and how some of that to do that. Now, this other part, position of a leader who often, I, I thought you nailed the title, uh, cheerleading from the quicksand, I think is, is, is the yeah. talk. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about this because it so much as a leader, um, you, I feel, I personally speaking of experience, feel on an island. I'm trying to juggle all these things, yeah. put on a pretty face, kind of a smile, mm. not tell everybody I'm worried because we need money in the bank. I'm worried yeah. because this existential threat here, and but I can't panic my people. And that's so isolating. And that leads to so lonely, so lonely. And that leads to things like, you know, part of my story year and a half ago, Mm -hmm. I crashed and burned. Like, I don't even know if there's any wreckage on the ground, but a big burnt spot, you know, and I know it leads to this. What I think is, you know, cheerleading from the quicksand, you you nailed it with that concept. That's so often what we do, but tell me what's been kind of ruminating your own heart thought and your work around that concept of, you know, cheerleading from the quicksand, what is the quicksand? You know, what does that lead to these kind of hard things, this really almost impossible job sometimes of being on the lonely island of a leader? Yeah, for sure. And thank you so much because I I am so passionate about this. And so I shared, you know, the acquisition of the company that I worked for happened in December of 2020. So, you know, the great news is there was nothing else going on in 2020, right? Like we, it was just a really boring year and we hadn't upended healthcare and um, but no, I mean, truthfully, by the time we got to December 2020, I had had, you know, nine months of changing our operations and how we were going to see patients and do we mask, do we not, do we vaccinate, do we, you know, all, all of those things were happening when then uh, we went from family owned and operated to a large corporation, one of 31 branches. And so it was change layered on change. And um, and it was just, it was, it was hard for me, you know, as, as a human. Um, my entire team, my 11 person operations team was the first to get cut and I knew it. And I'd been a part of the team making these decisions, not making those decisions, but I've been a part of the team, um, leading towards the acquisition. And so when we got the list from the company of who was going to go that, that hurt as a human, um, and that was a team that I'd grown and, and cultivated. And so anyway, so that, that happened. And then, um, it was just a year of just losing people and trying to keep the boat afloat and, you know, credit goes to the corporate team that, that came in. Had it not been COVID, they would have deployed a team and they would have come on site and done a lot of these things. And instead it was being done remotely and it was just, it was painful. There's no other word for it, but it was painful. And also I can have the retrospect to know that the things that I was being asked to do in that role were so counter to what I enjoy and what brings me joy and what I'm good at. 
Um, but I had made a commitment to staying on for the owners for 18 months. So I did. Um, and, and about a year into that was when I started to get my feet underneath me and, and feel like I could come up for air. Um, when in, um, November of 2021, I lost my older brother to a chronic cancer and like devastating is not even the word I can, I mean, it was just, it, it upended me. And so, you know, pandemic acquisition, uh, the greatest loss I've ever felt in my life, all layered on top of each other. And so at the time I was running a company of about 75 people with big expectations from the former owners and a family and a household, two kids. Um, my parents were grieving. My sister was grieving. My husband was grieving. I mean, that was his brother too. I mean, you know, it was just all mm -hmm. of us were in this together. And so what I say is when I got to um, early 2022, I was, I, I was not running on fumes. I was running on the memory of fumes. I was, I was pretending like I knew what it was like to have energy or to have any desire to get up and do anything anymore. And I realized and where I came up with the idea of cheerleading from quicksand is that I was holding up other people. And I have this image in some of my slide decks of like this crooked pyramid of people of if you're the foundation and I've never cheerleaded a day in my life. So I don't get on these stages and do any tumbling. Like <laughs> it just doesn't happen. Um, find someone else immediately. No, not me. Um, but so that, that base of the pyramid, if you're that middle base of the pyramid and you are holding up other people, you have to remember that the people that are in that middle, you know, pyramid piece, they've got messy foundations too. Mm. Like they have grief and loss and mental health issues. And they're worried about school and money and whatever else goes along with life. Right. And, and so then you, when you are lifting up others, if your foundation is not solid, how can you be expected to do a good job of holding up anybody else? And so I have this radical notion that we as leaders have to study our own foundation, that that is the only thing that we have any control over is studying our own foundation. And that includes um, making sure that we're not burned out um, and all of the things that go along with that of, of not just self-care, like it's not about lighting a candle and taking a bath. Like it is so far deeper than that because we are so far past that, right? Mm -hmm. um, it is about setting your boundaries. It is about, um, you know, knowing how it is teaching people how to treat you because I look back on my time there and there were a lot of things that I knew at my core were counter to my values and how I wanted to live my life and how I wanted to lead others. And I did it anyway, because it was a means to an end um, and the toll that it took. And I think that is the thing that I learned. The number one thing is the toll of the, the sum total of the burnout of um, depleting my own core values, depleting my own stock, my own, you know, whatever of, of fuel and, joy and um light what that does over time to your family to your soul um to your ability to just keep doing this it's no wonder we're all leaving our workplaces in droves it's no wonder um and and then and and my team my team who I loved deeply and still do and, and still get to talk to them often um I was not being authentic for them and I was not being a good leader to them and my frustration and my um my difficulties uh, made their lives harder, you know? And, and I distinctly remember a day I walked into a meeting with my team who was all managers. And I said, y'all, I'm sorry. I'm not prepared for this meeting. I have no idea what we're doing here. Uh, I don't want to waste your time, but I need you to know that I am, I am not okay. And I don't know what to do here. 
And I literally watched all of their shoulders relax and they all exhaled and they went, thank God. We <laughs> thought you had this figured out. We thought we were the only ones who were just, you know, flailing and like, thank you for your candor and for being honest that this is how you feel. And like, we were all sitting back, like literally before you got in here, we were like, oh, but like Lindy's doing it. Like we've got to do it. And, and so by giving, uh, by showing people like, Hey, I don't have it all together. You are giving them permission to be not okay. And you are opening the door. And, and, and I shared with you, you know, one of the questions I started asking in my team meetings was what are you doing to take care of yourself this week? And, and it's not a question that leaders often ask of their team. What are you doing to take care of yourself? How are you pouring into yourself this week? And, and they would start making changes because they knew that I was going to ask them next week, right? And there's only so many times that you can say nothing. I got nothing for you. But I also right. knew too that they were going to, you know, we had a good relationship. They were going to flip the script on me and be like, what about you? Yeah. Right? Um, so anyway, that, I, that was a phenomenally long, and I could talk about this for a long time because I am so passionate about it, but, um, I couldn't do it anymore. And, and I don't, I, I know that I have the luxury of, um, quitting my corporate salary and bonus to hang my own shingle and do this on my own. Um, and, and all of the privilege that's wrapped up in that. And so not everyone has that ability. So in the absence of having to change everything, how can you change everything about how you're approaching your life and your work to to not not hit burnout so hard? I I think there's so much there is uh, one probably as a leader having to hold hold up everybody else and try to do that. Um, I I for sure part honor that role as a leader, mm-hmm. and the other part a little bit resent it, you know. But yeah. there was because it's. Uh, but I think what was so freeing from what you said is, you know, walking in, I was, I was like, I wonder what she said. I wonder what she did. And what you, to me, was like, there's this idealistic perfection standard we say that I definitely did. And probably why the resentment came is just, yeah. I've got to be on and I've got to show happy and I've got this all the time. And then you just went in and you go, I'm not okay. And w- that reaction was the human connection. Yes. I don't, you should not expect me to have it all together all the time. And I don't, ex- I think the message to, is I don't expect you to Yeah. like some of that. There's a dance there, right? Like you have to make sure that you're not just, uh, you have still have to have, you know, people have to have confidence in your competence. Right. And so if you do that time after time of not being prepared for a meeting and not being ready and not being <laughs> right. like that definitely degrades a different kind of foundation. Right. But yeah. And and so like, I mean, the punchline of that meeting was we then sat down and we were like, all right, let's power through it. How are we going to do this? What do you know that I don't? What do you need that I have? And how can we do this together? And that meeting was so much more productive when we were being open and honest about our bandwidth, about our knowledge, about our, our comfort level than if we had all just come in and put on a face and, oh, look, I know what I'm doing. And, you know, but yeah, for sure as an entrepreneur too, um, you know, you are leading a team of people who are looking to you for all the answers and, um, you know, you're keeping the lights on for other people. And like, I know nobody takes that lightly, but sometimes we just have to be really open and honest about like, Hey, here's where I am today. And here's what, here's what I need you to know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm curious for my own interest but i think for others too so when you said like not everything has changed but i i've got to still in tech you know we have this thing of like with product particularly is we got to fly the plane while it's on fire it's almost like that it's like 
we got to keep flying the plane, even though I feel like the engine just exploded and drifted yeah. off, you know? Yeah. I, I'm curious what insights and, and help and a direction you have for how, how do you do that? How do you yeah, so keep your fire going when you're like, it's out, it feels, yeah. or it's getting there. You know, I, we definitely don't want to be where it's like out. We've crashed and burned. You're yeah. right. So what thoughts yeah. and advice and shares do you yeah. have? And I love that analogy. I always say that I, I build planes while they go down the runway because I'm totally comfortable with just like figuring stuff out. Like, oh, we don't have a wing. It's fine. Like, we'll get there. But I love that analogy of like, you got to crash. You got you to gotta fly the plane while it's, while it's burning, while it's on fire. And so I think you have to have some introspection as to like, like triaging where you are in the burn, right? So is it a, is it a wing fire? Is it an engine fire? Is mm. it, um, you know, is it a rickety captain seat or is it like mm. nose diving? And so, you know, for me, um, I, I, I tell this story very openly, but um, it was probably about February of 2022. I distinctly remember I had one kid in the bathtub and one kid in the shower and my husband came and I was staring at the wall and he was like, what is happening? And I was like, I'm in a hole and I'm not certain I'm ever going to get out. And like, to his credit, like, he was like, we're like, I'll find you a ladder. Like, we'll get out. Like, just let's, let's do this together. And so luckily I'd already been, I'd been working with a therapist through COVID because COVID was really hard on a raging extrovert. Like that was just, so thankfully <laughs> yes. I'd already started doing some of that, that deep work. Um, but with the help of my therapist and, and I found a family doctor that I trust, which is huge. I had a family doctor that I just didn't feel like really listened to me. And, um, so together I started medication and, and almost immediately, and I know it's not always immediate, but like within a couple of weeks, I felt like a different human. Um, so for me, that was my first step, but depending on where you are, like if it's just like an uncomfortable seat, like maybe it's a visit with your EAP, your employee assistance program. Uh, maybe it is uh, looking at your calendar and looking at what drains your energy and how you can reassess your schedule. So I just, um, everybody's journey through this is gonna be so different. Um, and I, I, I do a lot of coaching. And so I really start out with a baseline of figuring out where people are um, and, and what, what the triage is of, you know, where, where we start. Um, so it's just going to be, it's going to be different for each and every person. I think there's so many basics there though, that really resonate with me too, is just, okay, therapist have one, two, um, have one, have had one for a very long time now. And um you know, taking care of the head and heart, you know, the inner space oh, of what you're dealing with, be able to kind of unpack this because leaders, it's isolating entrepreneurship, definitely um, live that one for sure. And, but having someone again, just like from hiring an HR, is having someone third party that you don't have to say at Thanksgiving past the cranberries. Yeah. Absolutely. But I love, 100%. I want to emphasize this too is like you said, a doctor. A, uh, so we're dealing with head and heart inside inner work, but we're also that material physical body going to a physician that anchoring. I think so many as our, as entrepreneurs as go, I can't take the time to go do that. I can't do that. But like, yeah. we're talking about if we're flying the plane, you still have the need the mechanic on the ground to make sure the engine turbines are running fuel systems are good. Those are, those are basic, but I think we gloss over those well, and I think, and, and I talk about this, this is almost like an afterthought in cheerleading from quicksand is your physical health. I'm like, sorry to cut you off, but like, you just split like a whole fire in my brain. Go for it. Um, 
I think a lot of times, especially as entrepreneurs and, and for me, when I was an executive, I had this, like, it was my ego, a hundred percent. It was my ego telling me there's no way that you could possibly take the time to leave this building, get in your car, drive to a doctor's office, handle the thing and come back to work that they can't be without you for that long. Right. And so I, I tell this story of myself. So um, I had a period of time of about six months where I would wake up and my right eye would be watering. And it just irritated me because I couldn't put my eye makeup on until it stopped watering. And then, and I like, I knew I needed to go to the eye doctor, but like who had the time I was running a company, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Fast forward to the week, the owner or the, I'm sorry, the president of the new company was coming in town. And I was the only executive other than the owners who was going to meet with him. And this cornea tore almost in half. Oh. super painful. And like, it turns like this color red, right? We went to dinner at a really nice steakhouse in town and we planned my seat at the table to where my good eye would be facing him. <sighs> not only did I not go, not only did I go handle the thing with my eye, like we just changed my seating arrangement, right? Yeah. And and thank God for my boss who the next day was like, listen, I will drive you to my personal eye doctor, but you have to go get this figured out. And fast forward to, it's been two years almost since I've been going through three years. It's going to be three years in August. I've had two surgeries. I've sat in countless eye doctor's offices. Uh, I've missed work. I've had to have my husband like walk me into Dean McGee like he was my seeing eye dog because I literally could not see. Um, and so like, as it turns out, folks, you get two eyeballs. You get two <laughs> chances to get that right. Yeah. But my ego told me that I could not miss work to go get that watery eye handled. And so like, I, I always venture a guess in a room full of people of like, you have something you're putting off health-wise. I know you are. Go handle it. Like, like you can miss an hour now or you can miss hours and hours later, weeks, days. So anyway, that's my soapbox. But like, yeah, find a healthcare provider that you trust. Uh, go to all the ologists that you need to. Yep. Um, because like it like listen to your body when it whispers because if you don't mm. it will start screaming at you it will start screaming at you and mine did and it was super painful and really annoying well it's as crazy our mindset too is is that okay we're vitally important we have to do all these things but okay well if you don't have your eyes or your hands or different things or your, your brain, physical body your mental, isn't yeah isn't cared for but taking that time is tough because I feel like uh, we have a system that just kind of push pressure down on us. And we probably shoulder that too. And, but it's like, this time has forced me to go, well, it's time. You can't not take care of yourself anymore. And that's, deal a, with it. that's an actual physical component, finding those so right. What, yeah. What message did that send to my team too? Exactly. Right. I was, I was almost going to say, if we see an important team, any team member, on a team struggling with something, we're probably going to say, "Stop now. Go to the I'd go to the yeah. whatever ologist you need to do." Well, I preached it like, to my team all day long, but then I didn't do it, so then they didn't think they. Could. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a mess. So just take care of yourself. That's that's you get you get one chance, and nobody's nobody's going to do it for you. Like nobody, like I mean, sort of my boss being like, "I will put your backside in the car and drive you to the eye doctor." Like. Most people are not that kind. Nobody is going to take you to what you need to go to until it's a must. So do it for yourself. Well, and if you're like me, I'm Captain Obvious or Oblivious. <laughs> Obvious or Oblivious, one of the two. Um, where 
probably everybody and Lindsay too, you mentioned your husband, um, Brad, and it's like having significant other, if it's spouse, somebody else that's kind of watching going, Hey, I feel like you're getting into a crater. I feel like you're getting ready to go into a crater. We got to have that as entrepreneurs though. And maybe even leaders have this ideal of in, rugged individualists. Like we're, we're supposed to tackle everything be superhuman and, for me, Lindsay's obviously my truth teller. So when I would get stressed out, she was like, time to go on a run, time to go on a run, go run. At that at that time, that was a stress relief valve for me. But someone just to go, I love you. I care about you. You're getting into a dark space, a bad space right now. You know, having some kind of um, significant other with friend, spouse, someone just to go, hey, I don't think things are going overall. Not right, but that takes trust, right? Mm-hmm. There has to be trust there. Yep. And the, the person has to trust that you're going to respond well to that, right? But absolutely. And so, you know, I always say, you know, anything that if you're if you're not sure, like what your stress triggers are, if you're not sure, you know, ask at phone a friend. They know, and they will tell you. Um, like when um, I had an intern in one of my early jobs who we were like on a three day, like project with a vendor. And on the third day, she, um, at 10 o'clock on the dot, she handed me an individual bag of almonds. And she said, I've noticed that you do better when you've had a snack. So I brought you a So true. I am better when fed. And so like, like if you, if you don't know yourself, the chances are someone, someone you spend a lot of time with does, and they know what you need. And so asking, and then, and then doing them the same favor, like, how can I help you? What, where are you struggling? And, and what do you, what, how can we get you out? Yep. Well, I, the, this burnout thing in the quick sound, it's, it truly is. It's this feeling of um, I'm sinking while trying to hold everybody else up. And I think you're, example of the the graphic you talked about was like everybody everybody else has their own form of quicksand sometimes we often forget that too like we're the only one probably not right Right. we should encourage the support networks for everybody in this but then leaders oftentimes are the ones that get taken care of last yeah exactly and and i think the ripple effect of that is what we're seeing with great resignation with um, you know not being able to find the the right team members, people leaving in droves to go work for themselves because they just can't do the shuffle anymore. And like, look, I'm one of them. Um, but I I just think that um, the only thing we can control is our own foundation, how we take care of ourselves, how we approach the world, and how we our foundation is it. Our mental, our physical, emotional health is is all we can control. Everything else is is out of our control. Um, and so, um, when you look at it that way, um, I think you can turn a lot of things around just by focusing on, on your own foundation. Well, yeah. And I, I know you talked, you just mentioned the, uh, quiet quitting and pandemic had a big ripple and shake up and we're seeing some of that. I don't even know if it's selling, but the dust is there. Right. Mm-hmm. And that seems to know your, your feelings on this is there's, there's a leadership, um, interest what i'm trying to say a mirror to leadership too and all that so yeah talk to me about for a second while we kind of wind down is like quiet quitting 
the talent talent reshuffling we've seen this whole introduction to the rest of the world tech's kind of been like yeah we're here for a long time we've been doing remote for decades yeah um in this there there's a leader there is a leadership part in this that reflects of how we're taking care of ourselves right yeah and i think uh, the hardest thing we do as leaders is to hold up that mirror to ourselves because it's like that that mirror in the bathroom with the really bad lighting that you're like do i really look like this that's the mirror that we have to hold up and i think um, immature leaders tend to blame everybody else. And I think so much of the rhetoric out there right now is, oh, quiet quitting. People are lazy. They don't want to work. They don't want to do this. They don't want to do that. No. I mean, the, the truth is, is that we spent the last three years reevaluating what's important to us and what's not and what we are willing to tolerate and what we are not willing to tolerate. And if you want to be a, a key leader, if you want to be a mature leader, you have to hold up the mirror with every person who leaves your organization and ask, what role did I play in that? And how can I do that differently? Um, what policies and procedures have I put in place to make it not a safe environment for people? What practices are happening? What am I enabling? Uh, the number one thing that causes an A player to leave is to watch a C player get away with everything. I firmly believe that. If you are losing your top talent, you need to look at what's your lowest talent, what they're doing and what they're allowed to, to do. Um, but then also I think our job is to those that we have the luxury of still having on our teams, asking them, is there anything that caused you to think about leaving? Like what, what keeps you here and what, what risk is there to you leaving? Because uh, we always do exit surveys, right? But asking, um, you know, what's, what's keeping you here? What, what makes you consider leaving? I mean, I think those kind of things are so valuable to, uh, to stop the bleed and to stop, to use your analogy, to keep the engine from lighting on fire, because I think it does, it ripples, right? You lose someone, someone else is picking up the slack for that person until you hire someone and then they get, you know, and it just, it just builds on itself. And so just, um, and, and then again, too, I think, I, I think another great question to ask in your one-on-ones is, how are you taking care of yourself this week? What are you doing to pour into yourself so that you are not depleted? Um, and, and I think that when you begin if leaders begin asking those kind of questions, uh, their teams will know that they are that they are here for them and that they can be vulnerable and they can um, they can be their true selves at work. So that's I don't know I think that's where it starts. Fantastic, Lindy. Thank you for your time. We got over a little bit. These could have been two parts, but I couldn't help right. myself. Like we got to get into this one too. These are two parts of valuable con- conversation. I think they they very much connect. You know, you're not doing this yeah. kind of intentional, thoughtful work on the front end, finding the right fits, get, accessing people that can help you mm-hmm. um, to make some of that more objective. Go, okay, are we seeing this right? That could, that just complicates this whole the leader's dilemma here um, mm-hmm. if we're not getting the right person. So, yeah. and asking those questions, I love you. So simple yet so profound. Like that one question you just mentioned. How you taking care of yourself is yeah. is like you're gonna expect to get asked it. You should be yeah. getting asked it back. Yeah. If you're not ready it. to ask it today, that's fine. But next time, I need you to be ready. Well, Lindy, thank you so much for this time. I know I want to have the opportunity to ask you back on because there's more we can be talking about and tapping into your vast experiences, your expertise, all that you do in the world. And thank you for doing it. And um, good luck. I know you're giving your next keynote on Friday. Uh, about this it's change that needs to happen in the world the message needs to be heard and uh, so we just walk more healthily in in our world so thanks so much for your time today thank you i really appreciate it